The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I want to tell you how I said. Happened many years ago. I remember this vividly. At that time, I was learning in Eretz Yisrael, in Yeshivat Itri. Yerushalayim Kodesh. At that time, something that a Bachur would never forget, this is over 20 some odd years ago, I was still single in Yeshiva, and uh, the Desert Storm War broke out. And Saddam Hussein, if you remember him, may he rest in pieces, he was shooting the missiles into Eretz Israel. As an American boy, I had no idea what was going on. I, to live through something like that. You know, you're coming from Brooklyn. You don't know what a siren is outside of Friday afternoon, the siren before candle lighting on Shabbat. But this siren is much eerier than that. The siren here goes one straight. Eh, over there it goes up and down and it gets you. It gets in your bones. To hear that first hazaka as an American kid, I remember my heart dropped like, oh my gosh. Sounds like an air raid. What's going on? And then all the Israelis are running down the hallways of the dormitory. Quickly, quickly, he's telling me, you know, get inside. Put on your gas masks. That was then, because they thought Saddam was shooting chemical warfare into Israel. To us Americans, it was a joke. We didn't, I mean, we didn't know what, what to make of it. We were young. We were foolish. Right before January 15th, right before the war began, the Israeli government sent down a guy from the army to come to the yeshiva and to teach the kvutsa of Americans how to put on a gas mask, how to put the gas mask together, how to put the filter on the front, how to unleash the filter and get it active, how to adjust what to do, what not to do, basically to give a demonstration for gas masks. So we all came together, I remember it was Ben Azdarim, right after lunch, they gathered us together outside the yeshiva in this big grassy area. They handed us this box. They told us to open up the box and take out the gas masks. And they started giving us this whole demonstration. And we were taught piece by piece how to assemble and then take apart the gas mask. How to fix the filter if it breaks. How to replace the filter with another filter. But to us, we were kids. To us, it was a joke. So you know what guys do? They put on the gas mask. One guy lays down on the floor like this. The other guy starts putting his hand on him. They're taking pictures, sending it home. We thought it was funny. We were 17, 18 years old. But the guy that they sent down from the IDF, ho, 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 he did not think it was funny at all. He says, you think this is about picture? You think this is about picture? I mean, the guy lost it on us. He understood what's, what's going to happen and what's coming. We had no clue. We had about 17 guys all laying out on our backs in the grass with the gas masks on, taking aerial photos, sending it home to our parents, thinking it was the funniest thing in the world. It was like a picture from a movie, you know what? And these guys looked at us. These guys are crazy. What are they doing with it? It's a joke. We had no idea what war was. We had no idea. But then that first siren, oh, I remember it. Oh, 
Do I remember that first siren? My heart, my heart, I'm telling you. We ran to the rooms. We sealed up the cheder atum. We sealed up the rooms so that there shouldn't be any ear coming in in case there was chemical. We put on the gas mask. We pull out the tehillim. We started shuckling the tehillim. We were told to put out the lights. Till today, I'm not sure why, but we put out the lights. We were told to bring down the trisim. You remember the tris in Israel? Everyone loves the tris. It's the best thing to sleep in the afternoon with. We brought down the trisim. The tris comes down. It's like a wall up against the glass. In case the missile hits, the glass goes everywhere. The tris saves you from the glass shatter. I mean, this was an experience for a, an 18-year-old American kid who grew up with cartoons. I mean, this is not a joke. This is the real deal. I'll never forget. During that war, I was on an Eged bus coming back to Yeshiva and the sirens went off. And I didn't know that there is this law that in the middle of Azaka, middle of the sirens, the buses by law are required to stop. No matter where they are. They have to pull over, stop. They cannot move until the siren goes off. I want to tell you something. I was on one of those buses. I was on the bus on the way back to Itri. The siren starts going. Everyone starts screaming, Nahag, Nahag, Azaka. Like, like he can't hear it. He pulls the bus over. We were right in front of the King Solomon Hotel. I'll never forget it. He pulls over the bus and he sits and he doesn't move. And the siren's going up and down. And he announces to everybody, the chok is, the rule is, the law is, I cannot move until the siren is done. So we're all sitting there in the bus. Now, what do you think happened on that bus? People start talking to each other. Are you okay? Are you all right? You see that there's an elderly lady in the back. They walked up to her. Are you okay? They said there was an old man in the front. Are you breathing okay? Are you all right? It was amazing. A bus of randoms that came together with absolutely zero interest in the world of every type of walk of life of Israeli was on that bus. From Haredi to the complete left to right, backwards and upside down. You had every type of Jew literally on that bus. And when we first came on the bus, not even to say a hello to another person, not even to make con eye contact to that person. But the minute that siren went off, the minute we were all trapped together on that bus, suddenly everyone became family. This was something to see. Everyone's asking the other one, are you okay? Don't worry, it's going to be over soon. Relax. They start talking to the little kids. Don't worry, it's nothing. We'll be finished. Look, your mommy's here. They gave one kid a lollipop. They started making jokes just to keep the, you know, the matzav ruach calm. But little by little, everyone started to unify and it became a one cohesive unit. It was, it was amazing. It's amazing what that siren can do. After 15 minutes, the siren finally goes off. And the minute that siren goes off, Everyone jumps at his seat, they start cheering. It was like, oh, family. Could you, would you believe me? If from that point, when the bus driver drives out 
And he starts going back on towards Derech Hebron, where this drive takes you, where this road ta- route takes you. Every stop that another person got off, everyone said to him, Laila Tov, Tiabari, you should be okay. It's like, everyone's best friends. Best friends. Now, before that siren, if somebody would get off, they would give him a dirty look like, what's taking you so long? How come you're keeping the doors open? How come you're being ma'akevas? You're delaying us. Yalla, oof, go, get out of here already. All of a sudden now, every person that got off after that siren, they got this uh, family escort <laughs> down the steps. And everyone's giving him, be well, everything should be good with you. And they're giving berachot. Hashem wants something. Maybe it's not the siren that he wants. Maybe it's not the war he wants. But maybe it's the result. What happened to my kids? What happened to you, Klaus? How many years did we suffer with this sinat chinam? How much does Boreolam have to do to keep bringing us and navigating us back to each other? How much does he have to do? You want to hear an amazing story in Desert Storm at that time. And the reason why I'm telling you these stories is because that was the experiences I had when Israel went to war, similar to where they're entering now. With the rockets, with the sirens, with the country on the brink. It's very different when you're there and you experience it. Tonight I told my wife, I'm going. After I saw that clip of the soldiers dancing and hyping them up and firing them up, I said, Naomi, I belong there. I belong there. And she says, you belong right here. I said, no, no, I belong there. I'm going there. I got my first shot. I'm waiting for the second shot. I'm out of here. I'm going there. She says, you're not going anywhere. LL just canceled all their flights. I said, what do you mean? I just heard a bunch of Hatzalah guys just went today to Eretz Israel to help out. She says, yeah, you're not Hatzalah. I said, I'll learn. I'll do whatever I got to do. I'm going. I belong there with them. Those are my people. There's where we're needed. Let's go. Let me tell you this story. So it was a middle of desert storm. And there was a bus that was coming back from Tel Aviv on its way up to Yerushalayim. As he's coming up to Yerushalayim, a siren goes off. Now, this bus was on a highway. Very hard to pull over on the side of a highway, especially if you know the highway that leads into Knisatair of Yerushalayim. It's very hilly, very windy, and very misukan. So what did this driver do? He pulled off in the exit right before Knisatair, which is the area of Mivaseret Sion over there. He pulled up into that exit. He actually entered Mivaseret Sion and he pulled up right in front of the first government building, the Iriya. He said, Rabotai, Hevre, let's go everyone off. They opened the doors 
Everyone went inside the building, the area, because this was the beginning of the war, when they still didn't know what to wait for, because they were worried about chemical warfare, and all these people on the bus did not have their gas masks, so you don't want to keep them on the bus. So he's Meshachrer, everyone. He said, everybody, off the bus, into the area, go downstairs. Every Israeli government building is built, very interesting, with a bunker in the basement. It's like, it's like part, of the, part, of the, part of the schematics of every government building. So they go downstairs, and sure enough, the door was closing, everyone from the bus comes in, and as they're about to come in, a few random people who were driving in their cars on the highway as well, when the sirens went off, they followed the bus off into Vasilisyon. They also pulled up in front of the area, they also jumped out of their cars and came downstairs to the basement, and they went into this cheder uh, atum, to the sealed off room together with all the people from the passengers of the bus. The room is dark. The last guy comes pushing the door in, he gets in, they close it behind him, they start sealing it up with all the sealing that they used to do. They used to seal it up, the doors, that there should be no chemicals coming through. And they all sat there together in silence. No one could really see each other much. It was a dark basement. And then one guy turns around and leans over and he elbows right up against another guy that was sitting next to him on the floor. One guy from the car sitting next to another guy from the bus. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the basement hears, Tzvika, Zata, Chaim, Zata, Wallah, Tzvika, Mata, Ech, Ma. These two guys, they jump up. They make sure it's each other in the dark. They realize that it is each other. They jump on each other. They hug each other. And they start crying. Now, you know, this is wild. You know, it was enough to be on the bus. Sirens off the highway. Vasenetzion into the building's basement. Leaning and sealing up the walls. I mean, wow. But now, wow, it comes with entertainment. Two guys, random, one guy from the bus, the other guy from a car, happened to have got off the highway at the same time, up to the same building at the same time, down to the same sealed room, and the room was sealed off with them locked inside, leaning up against each other. He could have sat on one side of the room. The other guy could have sat on the other side of the room. In the dark, they would never have seen each other. But somehow or other, they ended up shoulder to shoulder to turn around and even in the dark, look each other in the eye and say, Svika, Chaim, Matao Sepo, Erzekara, how did this happen? And they start crying on each other's shoulders. After a few minutes, they calm down and they come to, and people start to inquire and they start asking, what happened? Who is he? Who are you? <laughs> what, 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 what happened here? And they both break down crying. And they say, 20 years ago, these two brothers had a business together. And somehow or other family members got involved. And suddenly two brothers, who were brothers, best friends for life, who built a successful business, but little by little, the wives got involved, family members got involved, people started giving opinions. How come he's drawing out more than you're drawing? How come he just built a new house and you didn't build a house? How come he's driving, you're not driving? How come? 
Little by little, their, num their buttons were pushed. And sure enough, two brothers that grew up as best friends their entire life, from cradle and up, were ripped apart in such hatred that they divided the business and they never spoke to each other again. Their kids got married. Their children grew up. And nobody went to each other's smachot. And nobody would look at each other. Not chagim. Not yamim tovim. Not high holidays. Their children's weddings. Their children's bar mitzvahs. And this brother would never look at the other brother's face. These two families would never attend anything ripped apart. Until the siren came. And Boreolam put one brother on a bus. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and the other brother in a car. And had them both, so to speak, somehow coincidentally driving together on the same highway as they're coming up to the exit of Mivaseretzion. And just then Boreolam pulls the siren. And he has both of them drive off onto the exit coming up to that building and locking these two brothers shoulder by shoulder together in a sealed off room and says, Borei Olam, enough. Every time you hear the siren go off, it's Borei Olam's voice, Kivyachol, that's screaming, enough, enough, Klal enough. Let's go home. We can end this. We could end this. What do I have to do to bring you together? How much do I have to do to bring you together? What do I have to do? Mamish, I have to start wars. I have to bring in thousands of rockets. I have to make hazakot just to tie the two of you together and make you look at each other whether you like it or not. Wow. It's not about the siren of the war. It's about the amazing result. Many times, Hashem puts people in positions that look very scary, just in order to save them, to bring back a result that was unimaginable. How does He bring out the wow result? How does He move people? How does He blow you away? Well, first He has to bring out the drama. First, he has to bring out the ba'aya. First, chas v'shalom. He has to make things look very dark and difficult, very dreary, very scary. But the whole thing was only a springboard, a hechatimsa, just to save you, so that when he saves you, he puts into your head, I'm the only one that can help you. I'm the only one that can save you. And I want from you something. I want the result. I want you back together again. Start talking to your brother. Start talking to your sister. Life is too short. Go back and bring them home together. This is what he is crying out. When you hear those sirens, that's the voice of Shamayim. It's today's Batko that screams, No! How much more? What is it going to take to put you together? You know, it's new, enough already. Come back together so we can end this. 
Reb Chaim the great Reb Chaim the one that taught us the Sigula of all Sigulot, and Sigula Gidola Mizu, he writes in Nefesh Chaim, the famous Sigula from En Od Milavado, that if a Jew closes his eyes, and he says, Nachamol, again and again, En Od Milvado, no one's in control but Hashem. Only Hashem is in control. Only Hashem could save. Only Hashem could help. I'm in Hashem's hands. I'm a vatu myself completely to only Bore Olam. I'm relying on you, Abba. Ani somech alecha, rak alecha. Ani boteach bicha, Abba. Ani batuach that you're going to help me. Ani batuach that you're saving me. Says the Nefesh Achayim, this is the greatest sigula that a Jew has to be saved from any problem he has. Because then he becomes untouchable. Because then he places himself and no one's hands can come near him. No one. No one. Nobody. Reb Chaim himself was traveling to the Gaon. And he was going to a forest. And these bandits, they jumped him. They took everything. They took his clothing, they took his purse, they took his money, they took everything he had on him. They tied him to the tree and they told him, we're going out for one more robbery and that's going to be the last robbery for the day. We're going to come back and we're going to kill you. And they leave him with nothing, tied to the tree. Chaim we're talking about the, the Talmud Muvuk of the Vilna God. Chaim closes his eyes and he starts saying it. Hashem, these robbers, they have no strength. They're nothing. Enon Milvado. Enon Milvado. You sent the robbers. You took the money. You did everything. Thank you. Thank you for everything. I'm in your hands. Everything is from you. The robbers are from you. Everything is from you. I'm here. And you can save me. And they can't touch me. And I'm relying only on you to save me. En od milvado. No chabal. En od milvado. Again. And, or, and he did it again and again. A few minutes later, the bandits come back. And they're coming now and they're good on their word to kill him. And just then, as they're about to do what they wanted to do, another group of bandits come running from the other side of the forest. And they ambush this group of bandits. And they take all the booty and all the spoils and all the money and all the genevot and... You know, it's easy. When Hagoinif Menaganev, you know what I mean? You're able to take the whole day's uh, works load. Instead of knocking off one guy, you knock off the group. You get 10 guys. Uh, they knocked off the whole group. They killed them all. They come back now. They see Rabchaim Velazhen, an old rabbi, tied to the tree. They cut him loose. They see there's nothing on him. They say to him, what was yours? He says, that arnak is mine. Those clothing are mine. They said, we have enough from our spoils. Take what you have and go. Reb Chaim went, he took his, exactly the way he came, is exactly the way he left. <laughs> Says Reb Chaim, sometimes the Reb Shalom brings about the robber in order to bring out the result. Sometimes I got to bring out the robber in order to show you that I am the only one that can save you from robbers. So the robber was brought L'Shem to be Mochiach to you. That the only one that can save you from robbers is Hashem. 
The enemy is brought to your door so that Hashem can be mochiach, that the only one that can save you from the enemy is Hashem. I brought him to you to show you that I'm the only one that can save you from it. The tsarot that are brought to people is to put the person in a situation that they should come to the final realization that Hashem is the only one that can save me. And Hashem says, that's right. That's why I put you there in the first place. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire dot org.